Hello, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Zoe Midler, host and moderator of Not a Rocking Chair Librarian podcast, and this is episode 25. It's a big, small world, featuring Sheena Kelly, teacher librarian at the Ascend International School in Mumbai, India. During my tenure as a digital literacy specialist and library services coordinator for the Boulder Valley School District, I had the pleasure of supporting and collaborating with Sheena as a secondary teacher librarian at Peak to Peak K-12 Charter School. Sheena is a natural leader and mentor. I learned so much from Sheena and value her future forward perspectives on librarianship and her commitment to continual growth as a librarian and information professional and her involvement with and advocacy for causes that make a difference. Last spring, Sheena announced she had accepted a new position as the TL at the Ascend International School in Mumbai, India. She literally had about a month to prepare to move her entire existence, including her beloved cats, from Boulder, Colorado to Mumbai. Just prior to her departure, I suggested that she come on this podcast after she's been doing the new gig for a few months and give us an update on the job and her life in Mumbai. So here we are, eight months in to her um, time in Mumbai, and we're getting a chance to connect. So during our conversation, Sheena mentioned some acronyms and some resources that I want to highlight here. PYP, uh, which means Primary Years Program, MYP stands for Middle Years Program. Additionally, Sheena refers to the ALA Spectrum Scholarship Program as a resource she used to find this opportunity in India. To learn more about the organization Sheena is involved with in Mumbai, check out resources associated with the Mahim Beach Cleanup. They actually have a Facebook page, and that's spelled M-A-H-I-M Beach Cleanup. She also mentions the Jai Kavil Foundation, J-A-I, new word, K-A-V-E-E-L Foundation, and World for All Animal Care and Protection. Again, Google searches on any of those will pop up websites. You can follow Sheena on Instagram. She is librarian on the lamb, L-I-B-R-A-R-I-A-N dot on the, all one word, on the dot lamb, L-A-M. She's super active on Instagram, and it's a really great way to keep up with Sheena's adventures. On Twitter, you can find Sheena at M-M-E-L-I-B-R-A-R-I-N underscore S-K at MME librarian underscore SK. She's not quite as active on Twitter as she is on Instagram, so highly recommend Instagram. You can always follow me on Twitter at ZMidler, at Z-M-I-D-L-E-R. Remember, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, and I hope you do, please rate and review on Apple Podcast. So now let's hear from she- Sheena. Trying to load to record with friends. Oh. Oh. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi Zoe. Hey Sheena, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Hello from Mumbai. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I have to tell our listeners right now that you and I are trying a little technological feat here in that I have got a little I'm getting a little back um feedback. I'm gonna close my computer and see if that helps. So we were first on Google Hangouts and now we're transferring over the anchor app because <clears throat> sometimes the connection can be a little bit weird. But I think we're good now, right? Yeah, it sounds great. Okay, good. Um, So first of all, thanks for um, joining me today. I know we have a time difference here. And um, just so people just so people can be wildly impressed. It's eight, a little after eight o'clock in um, Longmont, Colorado, where I am. And what time is it where you are? Uh, 43pm. Yeah. So kind of like, yes. a whole, I, I always I'm always marveling, like, you know, I go to sleep and you're like living your whole day. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty spooky. <laughs> I'm not used to it still. Okay, so um, I know it's 7.30 your time, and, and because you're um, uh, an international traveler, you will eat at a normal time um, rather than, like, most Americans at 6. So I know you're going out to dinner relatively soon. <laughs> so let's jump in. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. Okay. So um, just for the people who don't know your story, can you walk us through how you got from Boulder Valley School District in obviously Boulder, Colorado, to where you are now, which is in Mumbai, India at the um, Ascend International School. So you know, how did you investigate to get this gig and how did this gig come about and why India and why now? Yeah, um, I've kind of always wanted to live abroad ever since I first stepped foot in Europe um, all those many years ago. I think my first international trip was in 2006 and I kind of got hooked after that. Um, and ever since then, it feels like I've been trying to make a move out of the country. Um, and so now I was capable to make that happen for my, myself. So um, I, how I found out about this job is uh, part of the Spectrum Scholars uh, listserv I got that scholarship when I was in grad school. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's from ALA, uh, from the Office of Diversity. Um, and it's just specifically for librarians of color who are pursuing graduate degrees to become librarians. So after I graduated, I got added to this whole professional network. And for several years now, I've been getting weekly emails about jobs all over the place um, just for librarians. And this one kind of piqued my interest um, since it was abroad and it was at this kind of pivotal moment in my life when I was like ready to make this happen. Um, mm -hmm. So I applied, I took a few interviews with the principal and the CEO, um, and then I signed my two-year contract. <laughs> and I remember when you told me about this, <laughs> it was sort of mind-blowing because like, didn't you have, I just remember like you told me and then like you were saying like within a month or two, you had to be there. Yeah, it was a month <laughs> that I made, uh, kind of packed up my whole apartment, put it in storage, got my two cats um, through their whole in immigration process, um, got the visa worked out and got myself over here before. And, and I was here for maybe a day before I had to report to work. That is kind of mind blowing. So tell us a little bit about the Ascend International School um, and maybe some specifics about your role. I'm thinking like, you know, school size and maybe philosophy, um, the students and the staff makeup. I'm thinking like, where are these folks from? And then mm -hmm. talk a little, can you tell us a little bit about the library, um, some details about the library? Yeah. Um, so Ascend is another K-12 school, which is kind of my thing. I love that you get to see the kids grow up um, in that kind of environment. It's a fairly new school. It's only been open for about seven years. Um, so we don't have a graduating class yet. Next year will be the first group of 11th graders. So currently it's an, it's an IB school. So currently we have PYP and MYP programs. Uh, and if you're not very familiar with IB schools or curriculum, they're, it's very similar to what I feel like I was doing in BVSD as far as inquiry-based learning, project-based learning, um, a lot of freedom for students to kind of discover their own knowledge. And so that, it was a really natural fit for me and, and an easy transition as far as what the school's philosophy 
was and what I was already interested in, in doing and kind of believe in as a, a teacher librarian. Mm-hmm. So it's fairly small in the MYP program. So the middle years program is grades six through 10. And we have about 80 students in the whole MYP, which is pretty tiny compared to what I was coming from. The ninth grade class actually only has six students in it, which is wild to me. Um, mm-hmm. So the PYP is much bigger. It's a much more established program for the school and we'll have more students rolling up into the MYP as we continue to grow in in that way, but it's still fairly small. Um, We are building a secondary campus right next door to our current building, just as we open up the DP program with 11th and 12th graders. And as we start to try to increase enrollment in the MYP, uh, and as those PYP students obviously age up um, into that program as well. So uh, small I, I just want, I wanted to, um, for, for folks who don't know, you can get to the Ascend International Schools website and you can get a look at what the campus looks like because the building is really cool. I mean, it's, it looks like a really state-of-the-art, architecturally interesting uh, building. And I think you sit on like two and a half acres of property. Yeah, the campus is really, really nice. Um, And living on campus, I feel like, is an added bonus for me to get to take advantage of things like the rooftop pool and the Mm. yoga room. Um, (laughs) Those are things I enjoy after all the students have left also. Um, So I'm really excited to see what they do with this new building uh, Mm -hmm. as far as making it a high school space. Definitely the PYP areas are prettier, more well-developed, more well-thought-out than any of the rest of it, but I think they're just going to get there eventually and haven't had that focus in mind as of yet. Um, But yeah, definitely go to the the website and take the tour and go to Google um, Earth and drop your little man in the library. You can see the big space. Uh, It's it's also a small library space, but we have a ton of windows, which I really, really love. Again, the PYP collection is very well thought out and developed, and the MYP is much smaller. Um, We have fewer students to serve, obviously, but that's something I'm really pushing towards developing and getting more books for those kids, because we definitely have uh, voracious readers amongst our student body. Tell me a little bit more about the student body. I mean, are these kids from India, or are they from other countries? I mean, what's the makeup like? It's an international school, so hopefully we have lots of diversity, but primarily the students are from India. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'd say, 95% Indian students. And then mm-hmm. we have a handful of Hebrew students or Japanese or Korean, but like very, very small um, international population of students. So I think that's another thing that just as a school and like they the admissions department is looking to think about how do we truly make this an international institution. Uh, the teaching staff is much more diverse, however, um, by law, they're required to hire primarily Indian teachers, which is great. Um, but there are a lot of American teachers, uh, British, South African, um, Scottish teachers from, yeah, really all over, which I think is good for the students to kind of get that global perspective too. And, and then we're all coming with different experiences uh, and different things to kind of 
add to to the school as it grows. Sure, sure. I'm curious about, um, I know that you and I have been exchanging emails because um, you're, what is this? You're like your eighth month there? Yep, eight yeah. months tomorrow. <laughs> right. And I know we've been exchanging emails and I know one of the things that you talked about was um, your scheduling. Um, so we talked about, um, I don't know, I guess there's an issue with bells there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. In, in that there are no bells. Um, they just don't exist. Uh, that's not the case in all of India because I have asked other teachers <laughs> about this, but um, Asen does not have bells. And so the, the schedule changes, the whole school schedule for the MYP changes in the, at the start of the semester fairly frequently. So it's about a month into the semester before you have a, a concrete schedule. And that even includes the timings of the class periods and transition periods. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a real challenge to <laughs> try to craft a lesson where I'm like, okay, I need X amount of minutes for this activity. And then my students show up 10, 15 minutes late because they were finishing a summative or their teacher just forgot to dismiss them. Um, so, so do kids, I mean, besides, okay. So I, I know you're probably getting in a little bit of a rhythm, which is kind of probably not the right word for not having a bell schedule, but can kids come <laughs> and go, can students come and go from the library whenever they want? I mean, is it, is it open all the time and can they freely visit? Yes. Yes. For the mm-hmm. MYP, um, they can freely visit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, so with the students that I teach, I teach grades five through eight. And we have a dedicated library research class every week. So I see them once a week officially, and then they can come in whenever they want. Um, Sometimes I do not see them for several weeks at a time just because of off days, holidays, um, Mm -hmm. special events, things like that. There are a lot of holidays. Uh, I I know from your email, I've been, I'm kind of marveling at that, which has allowed you to do some pretty cool stuff, which we'll hopefully get into um, before we finish talking. But I want to talk a little bit more about your collection. Um, I know you said that the primary year stuff is pretty well established and that you're working on the, um, uh, the MYP collection. What kind of things are you running into as far as um, budget and funding and being able to get books. One of the things that we talked about in email was maybe um, you see things, but you can't get them. Like, you know, you'll see something, uh, a title somewhere that's promoted, but, and you want it, you may not be able to access it. Have you learned more about that? Um, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. The collection development piece has been something I didn't really anticipate being a struggle mm-hmm. just because I haven't had to think about it that much. Um, which is one of the evidences of my privilege that I've discovered many evidences of since moving here. No, I mean, um, I, I totally get that. I mean, it's a given in, you know, here. So I was really fascinated when you were bringing that, you know, up and that's why I wanted to pull on that thread a little bit. Yeah. Um, I've seen like, we get school library journal, the, the publication and I'll see a title in there and I'll look to, to purchase it. And I just, can't find it um, anywhere. I've looked at several different vendors and it's either that it's not available for sale in the Indian subcontinent or that the import fees are so exorbitant that I just can't purchase. I can't justify purchasing that one book. Sure. Um, We have a healthy budget as a library, like much healthier than I had in the States. Um, Mm. But we're a private school and we charge tuition. So 
there's a lot of money coming in mm-hmm. that I then get to expend, but it's also for that whole K-12 collection programming, all of that stuff. So for example, we just had a literature week here where we hosted um, authors that came in and all of that came out of the library's budget. Gotcha. Does, um, do databases and things like that come out of the budget too? They will eventually. There are currently not any databases here, but mm-hmm. as we open up the DP program, I've been very vocal about uh, the relevance and the importance mm-hmm. of having research databases and teaching students how to navigate those for their future academic goals. Yeah. So we're trialing a few right now and we'll see what we end up with. But yeah, that will also come out of the library budget. And your library management system, I think you told me you're using Destiny. Yes, we have Fall at Destiny, <laughs> which is lovely. But so does when you... not handle the Hindi script. So all of that has to be manually cataloged. <laughs> oh, wow. So when, so when you want to um, do collection development through Tidal Wave or something like that, you can, you, can you see things? I mean, is, I guess what I'm asking is everything in Tidal Wave available to you in India? Or do you have the same problem as if you had seen it you know, advertised on School Library Journal? Yeah, it's the same kind of issue. Um, mm. and, and here I also come into um, just how the school operates and has always operated and that kind of mentality like, well, we don't buy from Follett. Um, and, and I understand where that comes from. It is really expensive to buy through that platform. Right. Um, and I'm sure it's because of those import fees. Um, but trying to find workarounds then where can we procure these items? And so one of the things I've tried to do is just focus on growing the local Indian authors. Not only are the books a lot less expensive, but I think it's, it's also good for students to, to see themselves represented in the books that they're reading. And there's not a lot of fiction from Indian authors on the shelves right now. Hmm. So how are you tapping yeah. into that? Um, as far as like discovering authors? Yeah, discovering the local authors. And yeah, how are you developing that sort of um, channel? There's a really, really, really great network of librarians here in Asia in general. Um, and just from the few IB workshops that I've been to this school year, um, I've gotten kind of connected to that that bigger network and they're constantly sharing resources um, almost to a fault. I will say um, <laughs> people in India love their WhatsApp groups and my phone is always buzzing, <laughs> um, but it's, it's good because there's so much that I just don't know about, about buying books and who are the authors and who the kids like um, and who's good as a performer. So it's, it's well, good to learn in that way. No, I mean, it's interesting. It, I mean, what you're doing there wouldn't be anything we would do differently here. It's just you're doing it for your locale, right? I mean, and, and it's, it just, it's kind of common sense. You're going to build your network over there. You're going to learn about the publishing business and the authors there. Um, I don't know why I expected in my mind for that to work differently. And I guess it, it's part of that mm-hmm. privilege. And it's probably the privilege and bias that I have about how things operate here. Well, certainly it must be similar or it's going to be so drastically different, but it really isn't. I mean, I'm, I'm really fascinated by how you've already started to establish those networks and build those channels and understand what your market looks like and what your market needs kind of for a lack of a better 
analogy. Yeah, no, I've never been one to just kind of sit and, and see what happens. I, I get out there as much as possible and, and try to make those connections and always trying to be the best little librarian that I can. <laughs> no, I know so about that. Well, that's one of the reasons I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so but yeah, the, what is it? Go ahead. I just, just discovered moving here and not just in library lands, like the world is very big, but it's also very small. And so much of what I hear about and learn about and I'm doing here is just the same as I would in the States, just like you said, but I just had more experience doing it there. And it, it feels like here, I'm just jumped into the deep end of the pool um, and have, have a whole new set of tools to learn about. Well, sure. I mean, there are going to be challenges and obstacles, but um, again, I think you're using a lot of the same tools anybody would use regardless of where you are. Of course, I'm just thinking about my locale to kind of navigate everything. So um, I just want to back you up for a second. One of the things that we talked about um, when you talked about the students and stuff. So is there, are there any language barriers there or or is everybody speaking English and how does it work? It is an English language school. Um, We have classes for students in Hindi and Spanish as their electives. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's, there's one EAL staff member for the entire program and it's really not enough. Um, Mm -hmm. There are not enough supports built in for those students. Um, especially like our Hebrew students who really have a low English proficiency. Mm -hmm. Um, They, I think there's this feeling like, oh, we need to be more international and we have to have students from different places, but not thinking through like, how do we support those students once they actually start attending our school? Um, Because there's just not the, the staff to, to handle all of the differentiation and like pullouts and drop-ins that are needed for, how many different languages we have. Sure. Well, it just sounds like growing pains. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of growing pains. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a great segue for me to ask about the next thing. So um, I'm curious about what are some of the big differences or challenges you've encountered in the role? I, I also wonder how the staff has been reacting to you because you do come from an environment where the role of the teacher librarian has been evolving here for us, obviously, you know, domestically in the United States and, and how's that been translating? So I guess there's a couple of questions here. Um, the differences, the challenges and the reaction, um, I, maybe reaction isn't the right word, but sort of what has been the staff's expectations for you? Do, do they, do they, do they have some of the same sort of um, uh, baggage around what a librarian does or, is it completely different there? I mean, I know you're saying you're teaching dedicated classes on research. So I'm just kind of curious about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, So that's completely opposite from what I was doing at my previous school, Um, teaching dedicated classes once, once a week to each of the grade levels, um, each section, some of the grades have two sections. Um, There was no, and the IB doesn't have any kind of, like curriculum or set standards for the library specifically. So for that, I'm borrowing heavily on the um, American Association of School Libraries standards and benchmarks. Mm-hmm. So at least I have a firm starting point for where I wanted to go and skills that I know I need to be teaching. But mm-hmm. teaching as standalone lessons is very different and I'm not loving it. Just 
you know, research shows it's more effective and they're going to get those skills better if you're embedding into the classroom and making it connected to their core content um, and things that are they're actually working on. So I've actually uh, petitioned my, he's not even, it's very flat in structure. Um, so my colleague, just my colleague, to next year, not have dedicated library classes and only push in the classes for grade six, seven, and eight, mm -hmm. um, and maintain that one class period for fifth graders as they're developing. Uh, and that went over great. So I, as far as their expectations or reactions to what I'm bringing to the table, they all seem very open to my experience and my skills and um, what I, I believe in. Oh, Did you try again? sorry, that was my watch. <laughs> That's okay. <Talking> to me. <laughs> You're living your life. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I feel like they've been really open to, to explain what the role of the librarian could be. There's, I think naturally in an in international school like this, where you start out with a two-year contract, there's going to be a lot of turnover. And they have definitely experienced that in the library department. Both mm -hmm. myself and the PYP librarian are, are new this year. Mm -hmm. There's um, a library assistant who's been there almost since the school opened, but not quite. Um, and she's the most consistent member in the library, but she doesn't teach any classes. She uh, does procurement, processing, um, reader's advisory, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So... Working as a standalone has definitely been a challenge, but I am changing that for my next school year. And I think it's going to be really great for the students and the teachers. Um, I have seen some of the things that I wanted students to get out of like an information literacy program. They said, oh, miss, we, we had this class last year um, mm. when we talked about like source evaluation, for example. But then we get into the lesson and we get into, okay, let's, let's practice then. Like, if you already know all this stuff, great. Let's just skip to the exercise and we'll like work on, on some practicalities. But then they don't really know how to apply any of that. And I'm not sure, is that because they've just had these random, standalone, very inconsistent lessons? Right. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully next year uh, we can really improve on these skills that we're building kind of foundationally now. I guess, you know, in your, in, in my mind, I think, oh, it's an IB school and it's international and, um, you know, they'll have figured a lot of this stuff out. They'll understand the importance of teaching in context and, you know, not having the standalone or the one and dones. But it's interesting to hear that you're kind of dealing with that as well. <laughs> yeah. From the IB itself, there's very little about written about the library program mm. um, and how it should best be utilized uh, which is, I found really interesting. No, I, I find, like I said, I think I, I have preconceived notions about, you know, what that would be like, but it's interesting. Like you said earlier, you know, it's a, it's a very big world, but it's a very small world and, and you're dealing with exactly some of the same things we're dealing with here. So that's, mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that's validating or depressing or, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you're the right person to handle the challenges. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that you've already spoken <laughs> to them and told them, you know, I've done it this way for a while, but let me tell you what could really be more effective. You know, like you've gone to them with a solution and I think that's really important. Um, so before I move on to 
couple of questions about like living there. Um, and cause your emails have been fascinating about that. Is there anything else you want to say about the experience of being there and teaching there and interacting with the students and anything maybe you've learned or they've taught you? I have learned so, so much. <laughs> it's hard even to, to like, convey to you how much I've learned about life and librarianship um, and really hear the importance of connections and community. Um, I felt more, I was definitely a part of the community in my last school and part of that whole Colorado librarian group, which I missed a lot, but it feels different here. And I know that that's a part of Indian culture where you are immediately part of the family and it's very close and they're asking you like all kinds of personal questions just to get to know you. But it feels so invasive as an American where you wouldn't ask those kinds of questions. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning how to just let my guard down a little bit and be more open to all of the variety of people who want to join my circle. Um, and th that's been really, really wonderful for me uh, to force myself out of my comfort zone in so many ways. Uh, <laughs> but I also, on the other hand, I have spoken with so many librarians and just attending those IB workshops and seeing the the knowledge gap between myself and them as far as technology integration, uh, best practices in the classroom, things that I feel like all of my colleagues were aware of when I would go to a Cal conference, for example, and they're presenting on um, all of these topics and we're all like bought into this together. And, and here it feels very, very different, just uh, maybe a few years behind schedule. Um, not that they're not open to some of these innovative topics um, or making the leap to doing things a little bit differently as far as technology and, and what kinds of, how they're teaching information literacy. But um, it just feels like they're, they're catching up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I do get to do some presentations. Um, that would be amazing for me, but I'm still getting my, my feet underneath me, but I would love to more formally share um, all of the, the things that I know and the, the strategies that I've developed along the years. Uh, but that's just so librarian of you. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, that's when, it, you know, you want to share, you want, I mean, we don't hoard, we want to share and you're, you're encountering folks who you know, probably would be very open to hearing about what you've done in a great technology in a meaningful and purposeful way. I mean, I think of the sessions you have done, um, you know, in Colorado and in EDCO and gamification and things like that. And I bet you that would be hugely interesting to those folks. I mean, I imagine too, that it's very much like here, you know, you're going to have um, librarians who are more traditional and that's their swim lane and that's where they're comfortable. And then there'll be a whole nother group of folks who are like, you know, yeah, tell me about that. I'm interested in that. How does that work? And I want to, I want to kind of go in a different direction. So that just seems very, I should say librarian and very Sheena of you. So <laughs> like to hear how that goes. <laughs> um, okay. So yes. um, I, I was, I was also thinking when you were talking about people asking you lots of personal questions and kind of jumping right in, I'm like, I'm thinking I'd be really at home there because that's kind of, <laughs> 
that's kind of the Zo MO, right? Like, uh, tell me everything about your life right now. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, so- you might be surprised. <laughs> Um, all right. So one of the things that we've been discussing via email is just your, um, uh, integration. I, maybe that's probably too strong a word, but, um, how you've been dealing with the cultural differences. So do you want to talk about, um, some of the things that you've um, been seeing? I know we've talked about, um, you know, treatment of women and, um, how you may have needed to dress more conservatively, the separation of the sexes, your fantastic school lunches. Um, so I'm just wondering, (laughs) you know, if you want to give us a little idea of maybe what it was like from, from when you arrived to now and, you know, what have you just been sort of observing and I don't want to say alarming to you, but you know, how have you been navigating those waters? Yeah, it was under obviously like a massive change for me um, culturally. One of the the first shocks to my system, especially coming from Colorado, was the trash everywhere here in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just Mumbai. I've been to a few other cities now in India, and it's it's kind of everywhere. And this is a sense that I get from Indian people that this yeah, there's just trash everywhere. Um, and it was just so, it's so off-putting and hard for me to, to see, um, coming from these clean, pristine streets with the mountains in the background and it's all like out of a postcard. And then you're here with chickens and cows rummaging through piles of trash on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been really hard for me. Um, the poverty has been a big challenge for me to see, um, And again, something that also exists in Denver, you go down to Colfax and you see all of the homeless people Mm -hmm. um, living in destitute conditions. But here, there are so many people living in poverty Mm -hmm. that it's it's just everywhere all the time. Um, And some of the things that you see are, are really, really hard to to know that people this is their just daily existence um and even just outside of my window here in uh this beautiful very expensive school that parents pay a lot of money to send their students to just across the street there's a huge slum um where when this river floods like their houses are destroyed um so that is incredibly difficult for me as well Mm -hmm. um I, being the Sheena that I am, <laughs> um, try to, I've tried to get involved into not just seeing these things and thinking that they're horrible, but trying to make a difference here while I'm here, um, doing whatever I can with the privilege that I do have. So I, uh, one of the things that I do fairly frequently is volunteer with the Mahim Beach Cleanup. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go like them on Facebook. Uh, or Instagram. Yeah. Um, and so we go out every Saturday morning and clean up trash from the beach, uh, plastic trash, any kind of trash, and then they, um, get it recycled and turn it into other things that can, um, live on the beach. Like they just installed this amazing bench. Um, but they're, they're kind of expanding their horizons too, into looking at all kinds of environmental challenges that, that we face here in India and really in the world. Um, so volunteering is a big thing for me. Uh, let yeah. me ask you, is, is that something your students could get involved in too, or do you not 
cross that line or, you know. Oh, no, they ab- absolutely have already in the past and uh-huh. we are planning future things as well. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah, part of um, part of Ascend, Ascend's mission philosophy is service. So service is embedded in every level of the school and it's a requirement for every student. Um, I think in my last school, it was really required for high schoolers and then additionally required if you're part of like a national honor society or key club or something like that. But here it's every student, um, every subject area has a service component to it as well. Um, So the students are always getting involved in the, in the local community, which I think is really, really great. So they will come out to a beach clean with me soon. Yes. (laughs) I I suspected so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, Um, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I want to hear the rest of your story about um, the cleanup, because I, I know you've been doing other volunteer things as well. Um, well, one of the ones that I'm going to get involved with this summer is the Jai Vakil Foundation, which is a school for students who are um, intellectually disabled. And they have a school just, it's maybe 10 kilometers away, but they, I don't speak Hindi and the students only speak Hindi. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be volunteering more kind of on the behind the scenes, doing data entry and things for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another organization that I'm hoping to get involved with soon is um, World for All, which is an animal shelter, animal rights organization. Um, Another thing that really bothers me here in the city are all the stray dogs and cats. looking very hungry and very sad and also just like unhealthy. And so this organization works to kind of um, gather the strays, treat them medically uh, and get them adopted into good homes. Mm -hmm. So all of those things that pull at my heartstrings. Well, I know from following your Instagram feed that, you know, I know you have your own two cats that you went through many hoops to get over there, but then I know that there's a, an orange tabby. I think who lives in your building and, and I know that you have, I know you haven't officially like adopted me. He's not, but you know, you're some, you, you obviously <laughs> photograph him and you think about him and you take care of him. Do you, and I think you feed him too, don't you? <laughs> I do. Yes. He actually, he lives in the building where my gym is at. So I've named him Jim, the gym cat. And, um, I feed him anytime I go. Yes. <laughs> I think, I mean, uh, all the things you mentioned would be incredibly difficult, but being a animal lover myself and, you know, having a long history with cats. I don't have any right now, but I know your relationship with your cats. And so I think that would be really hard to see that many animals in distress. That would be really difficult. Yeah. It feels like so many people, animals and humans are in distress here. So I can only imagine it it takes a toll on, on you. Um, And so I, I definitely go through really great periods. Like everything's great. And then it gets, it gets hard sure. and then get overwhelmed and then I just need a break. Well, and I also think involving yourself makes you feel like you said, you're not just watching it. I mean, I know when I was looking at the, and, and tell me if I've, I've misinterpreted this, but when I was looking at um, images of the campus, there's a pretty high wall uh, fence or something around. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, the minute I saw that, I thought, well, what's on the other side of that? You know, yeah, I was curious. And so I think you've, I mean, I don't assume you're like completely surrounded by poverty and slums, but I imagine, you know, uh, the campus is, is rather 
um, pristine compared to what might be happening just beyond the wall. So, you know, you, you see it and you're getting involved. And I think that's, you know, you're taking on quite a lot for sure. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a lot. Yes. <laughs> and also you're traveling but- too. So um, you're not, you're also taking advantage of the, the time you have. I know you said there were a lot of holidays. I know you've been traveling a lot as well. They have so many holidays. I'm off uh, work today for Holi, actually. Hmm. Um, so there always seems to be another Indian holiday, which is great. <laughs> and I will not complain about it. <laughs> but, and I've been trying to make the very most of my time here and see as much of the world as possible. Because Asia is not a place I had explored before at all, mm-hmm. before I moved here. So I've so far... Um, been to Japan um, and been to Cambodia. Mm-hmm. I, as, as far as just myself, um, with the school, I took a trip with the sixth graders in December to Hampi, mm-hmm. which is uh, a UNESCO World Heritage Site here in India. That was incredible. Um, and my ne- upcoming trip, as long as everything doesn't, <sighs> nothing escalates further with coronavirus, I'll say maybe, is yeah. to Sri Lanka. We have a long day week, long, long weekend coming up. And you're traveling to these places alone, correct? Yes. So yes, how, I am traveling alone. So how, how is that? I mean, I know maybe you can elaborate a little bit on like what it's like to be a woman from the West, you know, living in India. And then also how has that been translating into your travels as well? You know, I, it's different if I, I'll say from India versus anywhere else that I've traveled. Um, Mumbai and India in general um, doesn't have a great track record with um, gender equality, treatment of women. Um, you may have read some really horrifying stories of gang rapes in Delhi where bodies are just tossed into pits after horrible things being done to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so at first when I moved, I didn't, I, I don't know if I, I wasn't <laughs> really just letting that sink into me or was um, a bit naive about it. Um, but having some other experiences along the way, I definitely feel a little more cautious in where I go, when I go, what I'm wearing. Um, and that is so sad to me, uh, because I have never felt that in any other country that I've visited over here either. Hmm. So, um, late at night in Cambodia, I'm walking along the streets. I have on a tank top and I feel fine. Yeah. I would not in any way wear that here or not even during the daytime would I wear a tank top, um, because I just don't feel comfortable. And that could be for those of you who don't, who know me more than just my voice and know how heavily tattooed I am, that could very well be because of the tattoos and because that's so foreign for them Mm -hmm. that they're going to call out to me or stare at me more. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, in this, 40 degree weather, I will be out in jeans and a hoodie because I don't want anybody to see any part of my skin right? Um, and risk anything. Um, have your, when you're at school, are students, um, are students exposed? I mean, do you, do they see your tattoos at school? Is that an issue there? No, at school, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I even asked that question before I got here um, to the principal, but lots of parents have tattoos. And so for the, for the students at school, I'll wear my short sleeves. I'll wear my kurtas with my leggings and mm-hmm. have my chins exposed. And that's totally fine. Um, now, yeah. So now a lot of people don't know this obviously about you because they don't know you. Like I know you and all your friends, but you're a runner. So how's it been to, to do that there? Uh, I love my run life in India. That's one of my high points. Um, I'm sorry. I, I do talk so many, uh, so much about the negatives because there are so many things that are hard, but um, there's a lot of really great stuff that's been happening for me and that I'm really excited that I've made this move. Mm-hmm. Um, and running is one of them. Um, I think the race culture here is is very different and it kind of goes back to when I was talking about the librarian culture and just the culture in general, very warm and welcoming. Um, and you're, like, you're part of the family immediately. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been able to run a lot more here because the races are much more cost-effective, um, which is nice. And so I get to run, I think I have three races this month. Um, I've, I've almost surpassed what I ran at all back home in, in Denver. Um, and it's, uh, it's also a little bit easier because I'm at sea level. Um, it's a trade-off though for the clean mountain air and uh, being a mile up in the atmosphere versus being at sea level, but having to breathe through the pollution. Yeah. So, um, but the races themselves are, are so much fun. There's like pre and post Zumba and dancing and there's everybody gets a medal every time, no matter what, as long as you finish. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's been really a lot of fun for me. Well, and I, like I said, I get to follow you on Instagram. So I get to see all the fun stuff, all the pre race stuff. And then when you're done and, um, and that just seems like um, when I look at those pictures, those don't look any different to me than a race that you would run here in the States, you know, I, and maybe except for the, the pre stuff. Cause the pre stuff looks like a gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not, I've never seen that in the States before, <laughs> um, but I mean, you're running and people are running and people have shorts on and, you know, I mean, there's nothing, I mean, it, it, it could be anywhere. Um, I guess is what I'm saying. So that looks like, um, I don't want to say that that looks which I want to choose my words carefully here. That seems like a really comfortable zone for you. Hmm. There's definitely fewer women there as well, but mm. that's everywhere, everywhere. Um, you just see a lot more men here. Yeah. So uh, the competition is much, is much less for me, but that's great because <laughs> I'm, I'm thriving. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're thriving. I'm, I'm fascinated by this journey. And obviously that's why I want, I know you said to me like, well, why would people want to hear from me? You know what, what I hope there's value. I think there's tremendous value because I think what you're saying, you're validating a lot of stuff too. You know, like you're doing a lot of the same things a librarian would do anywhere as far as building your network and figuring out how that all works there, especially even from something we take for granted here, the collection development aspect of things. Um, And you're also navigating, I think pretty challenging waters coming from the West. Right. I mean, I, it's hard for me to imagine not being able to dress the way I want to dress or, you know, thinking about where I am at any given time of the day or night, you know, and so I think those are really, um, 
those are stories I think we all need to hear. So I really appreciate you sharing them with me. Um, I want to ask you also if we can come back a few months later. I want to be able to um, touch base with you again. <laughs> and, yeah, I would love that. Uh, yeah, I want to hear what's changing, what you're learning. I mean, for me, this is just such a fascinating learning journey. And you're one of the, you're probably one of the most um, you know, people use the term lifelong learner all the time, and I think it gets kind of trite. Um, <laughs> but this is really a huge learning journey for you, and I think um, we can learn a lot from it. So I, I really do want to come back and, and check in with you and see how things are going. So um, is there anything else that you wanted to add before we, we conclude? Because I know you want to get to dinner. <laughs> I am a little hungry. Oh, gosh, I feel like I could just talk to you forever. This has been great. Um, so I am – I definitely – want to come back. Um, and I know you were taking notes and have you asked me some follow-up questions on a few things? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, and again, I, I mean, most of my listeners know that, um, uh, I'll, I'm going to include some things that we talked about. Um, I'll have, I'll have recorded our introduction to you after this is concluded. So there'll be some things like I define and some links I add into the intro for folks to follow up on as well that you mentioned, cause I want to make sure that, um, People can definitely find, um, is, you said the, is it the Mahi beach cleanup? I'll make sure that I get some information up there about that as well. Um, cause I think yeah, people I can are, send all that to you. Yeah. Email. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. And then, um, uh, I will include that in the intro. So, okay, go have dinner. Um, enjoy your evening. I can't believe it's evening. It's so weird when I say that. Um, and, um, yes. and we will talk, um, again, um, as you kind of roll along, I definitely want to hear what happens with your dedicated, um, literacy, um, information, literacy, instruction, research instruction. I want to hear how that goes it, it in the sense that when you can make it more, um, contextual for the students, I want to hear if that what, yeah. what folks, how folks react to that as well. Okay. Um, Sheena, have yeah. a lovely evening and um, enjoy thank your, you. enjoy your dinner and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank okay. you so much. Okay. Talk to you later. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Have a yeah. good day. Okay. Talk to you. <laughs>